Last week we had a wonderful, um, what's it called? Lesson? Lesson, yes. Teaching moment, actually, um, about the seven churches in the Revelation. So we're going to go back there. We're going to kind of dissect some of the things. And we're just going to focus on one church. Um, and then I'll add on to things. I'll just do a, like, a background history about the church. And I'll add on to like the solution of why, how to get out of the issues that God has pointed out. So um, about the seven churches we talked about last week, wonderful lesson God provided. Um, it was a blessing. I've been thinking about it all week. Um, and in Revelation, we're going to focus on the last church, Odysseus church. Yeah, that's more, I know, that's more applicable to our church and how we are. So we're going to focus there. It's Revelation 3, 14 to 22. Um, so like just kind of a summary of what happened last week. Um, we learned about the seven churches in Revelation and then what the issues God has found against them and um, what he has seen in them that he is encouraging. However, on the last church, Lodicia, I think that's how you say it. <laughs> um, Laodicea. 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 Church. Laodicea? No. No one can agree. Laodicea. I'm trying. I'm trying. It's all the way at the bottom. Lidosia. Lidosia. How do you spell it? It's Laodicea. Laodicea. Okay. Anyways, Lidosia Church. Yeah, just Lidosia. I'm going to go by that. Odysseus Church or Lidosia? Um, Jesus had nothing to say, nothing good to say about that church. Um, um, because the main thing he was talking about is, is that God can deal with those who are cold enemies that he hated or those that are in hot pursuit. Um, he can deal with, that, with those people, but he cannot deal with those who are lukewarm and apathetic to his, um, who he is. Um, so if we, can we, someone read? Yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> Revelation chapter 3, verse 14, I'll be reading it in the NIV. To the angel of the church in Lodokia, write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds. You are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, so that you may become rich, and white clothes to wear, so that you can cover your shameful nakedness, and slave to put on your eyes, salve, uh, uh, to put on your eyes, so you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. 
If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person, and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, Amen. just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Amen. Um, so, basically, to summarize everything, he's saying being apathetic toward the fate. Um, apathetic. And apathetic. Just not being responsible as Christian, I was going to say it, and then having spiritual sluggishness is very dangerous. And um, um, Jesus didn't, does not appreciate this. So the Church of Laodicea, Laodicea, okay, um, um, is, we said it resembles the church right now. Brief history, I did a little bit of background history. Um, it, the city was founded, it's a city, Laodicea is a city. Um, and the church is in, is in that city. It was founded in a year 2000 BC. It's by founded by Antichrist of Syria. It's a man from Antioch. So he named it after him. Antichrist. Mm-hmm. 200 BC, sorry, 200, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> I added a zero, 200 BC. <laughs> so the church was founded 200 years the city, the city. No, not the church. The city was found uh, by Antikos, that's his name, in Syria. Um, this is where the city of Antioch is named. It's the main, the man named his, the city Antioch after him, and then he named this city after his wife. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so, Lidokia is a lady's name, and this is the wife. Um, and the interesting thing about the city is that it is like a remarkable city, very advanced in their, um, uh, in their business management, like all the market stuff is happening there, um, financial and medical. They're very advanced, yes. <laughs> they are like the medical center of the city or the, the country around there, the other cities that's around them, very rich. Um, and it's interesting because in Revelation three eighteen, Jesus says that the this what did you say this alive the medical salve yes they discovered that he put it in the text because they discovered it they discovered that for like all eye disease so that's their main focus of study they had a medical school there. That where they're like researching and they discovered the saliva, <laughs> slide for a disease for the eye. So that's why he's incorporating that into the text. Yet Jesus was not very impressed by their uh, success. Um, in fact, he was disappointed by it because they had what spiritual nakedness, um, spiritual poverty. They're shameful, boastful spiritually blind despite uh, being rich and successful and medically advanced in the worldly sense. So when you look at them, they have everything, but inside they're disgusting. Um, and then there's another thing that Jesus also incorporated. Um, he compares them, he said they're lukewarm. This is 
a direct comparison to their water system. So they have a water system that they don't have their own, like, they don't have their own body of water within their region in that city. So all the water that comes from to that city is, like, they made a system. Like, oh, I don't know what's it called in English. Yes. Obviously, irrigation. (laughs) So they made a system for that water to travel from other cities, other countries to them. So by the time it gets to them, it's a dirty water. Um, So they have... uh, hmm? It's like a sewage water, basically, that gets to them. Yeah, so it's very dirty, unclean, um, and that's the only water system they have access to, even though they're advanced. So he's saying... (laughs) So Jesus in Revelation is saying that, like your water, you are not clean. Um, So he's saying you're... It's not a hot stream of water, fresh water. You're, you're not that, or you're not a cold, clean water where you can be drink. Like a, you're a lukewarm water that's dirty and disgusting. And yeah, you induce vomit within my spirit. So basically, that's what he's saying. That's why he's calling them lukewarm. Wow. <laughs> my goodness. So that's the whole background of the church and why... Specifically, God is saying these things. So he's saying, you're blind, so like your medical discovery, put that on your eye, spiritually open your eye. And he's saying, <laughs> he's saying um, you're naked, poor, whatever. You're also lukewarm, like your nasty water system. You're neither hot or cold, so I'm going to spit you out, meaning I'm going to vomit you out. That's the only thing that's going to happen within that lukewarm water they have. Said that in the most respectful way to <laughs> so... Main thing, um, the church is the embodiment. That church is the embodiment of the church we have right now. And Jesus is not feeling any joy from this church um, and, and the way they conduct themselves. But he turns around and gives them a solution. So the solution is presented in the text. What he gives them is that he first alert them to their nakedness, being blind, poor in spirit, um, being um, naked, shameful, and lukewarm. And then he, he then advised them to get out of that state. And then finally, he said, if only one person is able to get out of that state, I will reward them um, based on their ability to follow his direction. So um, that's basically the story, the history of that church. Um, Today, we're going to focus on the advice Jesus gave gave to this church, um, which the only way out is to wake up from the state of apathy and truly repent. So today's lesson is about differentiating between true repentance and cheap or fake repentance. So that's the title, or within the, his, the church of Ludukia, yes. Um, so um, how many of us or know or are people that come to church whenever we need something? Like within like, when we are like experiencing 
some type of struggle, we're in a midst of um, issue, we come to the church, and then we pray, we beg, and then once we get what we need, we do like out. a dip out, we just, we're gone. Um, so that's basically the type of church that church is, and that's the type of church that this church is. <laughs> like the church of like the church today, the gener- within the yes. <laughs> I mean, if you, uh, um, if you're feeling attacked, maybe no, apply. Yes. <laughs> um, so. Most people today um, tend to have, we talked about this last week, uh, most people today tend to have like an emotional experience and they call it revival. So when you come to church and all that and then you have an emotional experience, meaning like you just kind of, the spirit is so good and you know. (laughs) Um, And then you call it revival. So we pray for revival every day and then we we feel that emotional high and then we call it revival. But the only way to truly get a true revival, um, true alertness, um, from being lukewarm comes from true repentance. So we can't have revival without repentance or without following the direction Jesus is offering within his text. Um, and most importantly, we need to turn away from our sins. Mm-hmm. So here are things, um, what most people think repentance is. If, uh, if you guys want to, what, what is true repentance? Mm-hmm. Anyone else? Accepting that you did mess up and changing your ways. Yes. Okay. Not Anyone? walking the same way. That's true. You need okay. Okay, so um <laughs> so It's important that we do not confuse true repentance um, as a way to manipulate God to give us what we want. Um, True repentance is not done as a bribe to get God to move our way or the way we want him. And true repentance is not done uh, to appease God to give us what we want or desire. So basically, it's not, we're not bribing him, we're not manipulating him, we're not trying to move the direction we want him to be. That is not repentance at all. Oh, so what true repentance is, it is not only an act, but an, an attitude. It is not just a word, but a deed. Um, it's not just an out, out, outer thing, it's an inward thing. It is not a one-time thing, it's a lifestyle. It's we're repenting every day. It's just not something we're like, oh God, please forgive me, and then get up. It's more of truly humbling yourself before the Lord and um, practicing that every day in your lifestyle. It's not just remorse or regret. We all have that. Everyone experiences regret and remorse, but it's a genuine desire to change. 
um, and actually doing something about the thing that's causing you to sin and actually changing. Have, if we're not seeing results, if we're not seeing change, we're not experiencing true repentance. Um, um, Christians today are so consumed with their own selfishness. They believe that if, you know, this also can apply to us. If we gather at once and confess our sin at once, um, it's enough. But it's not. Like, if, if we do feel like it's a true uh, repentance, that's good. But once we leave the church, do we turn around and go back to our life? the way it is before with no change, with, not, with no tangible change, actual change. Um, they live, we go back and then live the same way before, I bet expect God to act differently. So it's like you're not giving anything, but you expect something back. This kind of shows how entitled we are. Like, how lazy. Yes, that's true too. <laughs> um, entitled we are, how like lukewarm we are in the in the church as a church um um but yeah okay so similar to the church of Lydusia, the church the church now do not practice true repentance yet expect that to answer our prayer give us what we desire and continue but we still continue living on in our spiritual sluggishness um and this kind of identifies, so like this fake uh, cheap repentance is identified in Hosea 6. If someone would read for me, Hosea, Hosea 6. We're going to kind of focus on that chapter, um, 6, 4 to 5 first. It's in the Hosea 6, 4 to 5. It's on the Old Testament. <laughs> Yeah. No, I got it. He's going to read it. What can I do with you, Ephraim? What can I do with you, Judah? Your love is like the morning mists, like the early dew that disappears. Therefore, I cut you in pieces with my prophets. I killed you with the words of my mouth. Then my judgments go forth like the sun. For I desire mercy, not sacrifice. An acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. Four to five? Is it four to five? No, 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 yeah. Okay. Four to six. Four to five. Okay. Um, so, do you guys want to read it again? Okay, read it again. <laughs> what can I do with you, Ephraim? Mm -hmm. What can I do with you, Judah? Your love is like the morning mist, like the early dew that disappears. Therefore, I cut you in pieces with my prophets. I killed you with the words of my mouth. Then my judgments go forth like the sun. For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. Amen. So, he is saying here, um, basically he's saying we cannot trick God into believing our fake repentance is real. And our fake love, the, the fake love we have for God does not create, um, um, the fake love we have for God does not create a permanent change in our uh, spiritual well-being. But the interesting part is, if you read 
6, um, Hosea 6, 1, 2, 3. Read the first part. 1, 2, 3. Come, the, mm-hmm. let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will restore us, that we may live in his presence. Let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledging him. As surely as the sun rises, he will appear. He will come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains that water the earth. Doesn't that sound like a true repentance? They're like, it looks like they're having a true repentance moment, right? It looks like they're, the nation is turning to God. They are experiencing true repentance. They're having revival. Um, and when you read down to four to five to six, God is like, no, that's fake. I know this, whatever you're saying, does not make any sense. <laughs> He's like, you cannot trick me. This is not it. Um, and his eye and God's eye, they're just talking cheap. They're doing fake. They're, they're doing fake repentance um, that does not result in permanent change. Um, they're not turning away from their sin. They're not producing any fruit of the Spirit. Um, or they're not daily confirming to God and his image. So on 6, Hosea 6, he says... Um, Six, when you go down to six, he said, For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and enlargement of God, rather than burnt offering. He's saying, I know you guys are doing all of that stuff, saying, Let's go back to the way we are. You know, God is great. Let's do it. And then he's like, No, this is fake. I'm not, I don't want your nonsense. I want true. <laughs> Burnt, I don't want your, um, acknowledge me rather than offering burnt sacrifice. Mm-hmm. I don't want your other deeds. I want you. Um, so I kind of, with this lesson, I want us to not trick ourselves into thinking. Um, We're experiencing true repentance or revival whenever we feel this emotional, you know, high. Um, while we're in our, like, shallow, um, lukewarm state. Um, So it's not like that won't bring any true change. Um, So what's the main thing with, so let's just kind of go back to the church. Uh, God's problem with the church of this generation, meaning the Laodicea's church as well as this generation, is that um, those who claim God, um, those who claim to know the Lord or be believers, but their submission to him is part-time. Um, their surrender to him is only when, um, when it's just part of their life. They're not truly submitting. They're not truly believing or truly surrendering to him. Um, the problem is that the people are into rituals and um, religion, just like the burnt offering, um, but no intimate relationship with him. That would actually, you know, communicate with him in a daily prayer, that kind of thing. Um, and, and also, main thing is that we talked about prayer a long time ago. I talked about prayer a long time ago. Um, it's not something you kind of give just to receive something. It's not a manologue. That way we pray 
mm-hmm. most of the churches pray is like a manologue where they're like, oh, you know, this is this, this and this, and like I want this and this, and I would like you to do this and this. Amen. And then get up. Yeah, in Jesus' name, amen. I believe it. I'm going to go. I'm going to conquer the world. Yes. But we're, it's not, that's not how you pray. Prayer is two-way street. You communicate and then communicate your need and you wait for what God has to say in return. That's when true repentance happens. If we're just praying and saying what we want and then not listening to what he wants us to hear, and if we need to be rebuked, if we need to be told what our sin is, if we are going to be told what we need to repent of, if we're not listening, it's, that's never going to happen. So we're never truly experienced true repentance. Um, I, I, had, I read this study about like how Christians today are, you know, the christianstoday.com. No, it's not, that's not the website. <laughs> that's not the website, but it's a statistical study that actually was done. Um, they say that the average Christian nowadays do not believe any different from their pagan neighborhoods, neighbors. So basically it's like, oh, our religion is the same. It's just, you know, you believe in Allah and I believe in God and that's it. You know, it's like, it's just a, <laughs> the language difference. Or it's, if you're Orthodox and you just believe in other things, like, you know, you add Mary and all of them, but you still believe in God. So me too. Like we're the same basically. Or it's, they spend more time watching TV, movie, found like that all applies to us than um, actually reading the Bible compare, in one day compared to like how much we read the Bible in a week. So how much we spend on our phone, on mu- movies and stuff for one day is more than how much we spend reading the Bible in a week. And that kind of called me out, so (laughs) no. Um, And another one is average Christian belief, if they are happy, then God is happy. (laughs) So if I'm happy, (laughs) if I'm happy, you know, if I'm okay, that means God is happy, you know. Christianstoday.com. No, it's not. It's not. And another one that I was like, what? Are you even a Christian? Is that they do not believe in um, biblical absolutism. Absolutism. Yes. So basically, they do not believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Just as in Hebrew 13, 8. They don't believe in that. They're like, okay, like, I mean, if I feel like God can change... He can change. And if I'm happy, if, if I'm happy, he's happy. If he wasn't happy, if I wasn't happy, he would be unhappy. I mean, in suffering, God will suffer with you, you know? He'll be happy with you. He will, he's he's going to share everything with you. But just because you're happy doesn't mean he's happy. Like, are you even talking to him or are you just assuming that he's happy? It should be the other way around. If he's happy, I'm happy because, yeah, I'm Thischristianstoday.com. Um, so, um, main question is, wh- how did we get here? Like, <laughs> so how? Did, what is the root of? Why do we act like this? Why are we the way we are? <laughs> Two things I can come up with. <laughs> 
No, that, you don't say that, you know. <laughs> so, why are Christians acting like this? Number one is going back to the feeling. We are relying on our feelings instead of the characteristic of God. But if you don't believe in biblical absolutism, I mean, can you even know the characteristic of God? Yeah, it changed based on your feelings. So this is how we got here. We relied on our feelings, and this happened. So they, they do, Christians do what they feel like what God wants them to do. Does that make this like what they, I feel like he wants me to go this way? Or it's like, I feel like God tells me to go to the strip club and, <laughs> and witness to the people, you know, like while they're dancing, you know, it's, uh, I mean. Okay. I will say it again. Okay. If he's, okay. <laughs> if he's, if God is telling me to go to, places to witness to people, then that's what I feel, and I'm going to go and do it. Not really knowing, like, you can't really go to that those type of places and not expect it. Like, how are you going to witness to anybody? I Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, they're putting themselves in danger. Yeah. Um, so they try to convince God to do what they want. Um by offering fake repentances and revival. So I am revived, I'm feeling this fire, and God is going to do this in our life. I mean, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's not. Feeling are not bad thing. Like, feeling is not a bad thing. But is it really, does it really have substance? If it has substance behind it, then yes. If not, no. Um, so it's... Someone said that feeling is like a wind to a sail of a ship. A ship is like too little will move you anywhere, and too much is going to cause a shipwreck. So it's it has to be just right or or biblically based. I, this is how I feel. But is it me or is it God? Like, let me pray and then let me listen, not just me talk. So that's first how we got here. Two is we have mixed motive to um, our motivation is mixed when it comes to serving God. So we don't have any like real love per se to serve the house. So is like are we called to serve to in that area? Were we ever called to serve in that area? Or do we, do we feel like we should serve in that area? Two, we have a divided heart Am I, how am I going to benefit from this area if I'm going to serve him? Is he going to answer my prayers? And, you know, what's my backup plan if he doesn't answer my prayer? Or is it they are, you know, after money? That, I mean, that's the main motivation for most of the churches. Um, they are after feeling, feeling like they're important or they're very, you know, needed or something like that. Um, or they only want to identify with God as long as they are comfortable or no one is like telling them, hey, you're sinning, you need to turn back and repent. So if my comfort is not being touched and if I'm making money, if I am um, 
feeling important and I, my heart is divided, but I'm still benefiting from the background of whatever I'm doing, like what would motivate me to do, to actually be repentant toward? Like what would, I, what would motivate me to be, to experience true repentance? So those are the two things I can come up with. I don't know if there might be other ideas. <laughs> that it's so mixed uh, motives and then relying on our feelings. Um, so um, let's see. I just want us to know, most important, importantly, out of like this lesson, I want you guys to take is that um, cheap or uh, fake repentance do not does not please God obviously, and then temporary repentance does not honor God, and basically fake repentance angers God. Um, so we need to pray for revival, yes, I keep like, I, feel, I don't want you guys to feel like I'm attacking revival, it's important, um, and we should continue to pray on it, however, until God's people live in constant repentance, come clean, with God, a repent off their self, um, of like their self-sufficiency. Stop being self-sufficient and rely on Jesus um, completely without dividing yourself. Give up dishonesty, you know, to give up all the senseless like, gossiping and give up putting God in a box and pulling him out whenever you feel like you know you need him. You need something, um, and not living according to his um, will, then we won't truly really change. Um, just like the Church of Ludukia, uh, the end result will be being spit out. Um, and I hope this lesson teaches us to be in a constant repentance, um, turn away from our sin, and our repentance be our lifestyle. That's the main thing I want you guys to take from this lesson. Um, and let us not take his gift, grace, and love for granted, because there will be a time where the grace period will end, and it will end, and there is no way to turn back. He has been very patient, he has been very kind. It's time for us to wake up and actually move and change um, so we won't regret it. <laughs>